Animation Deliberation was a perfect podcast until the ad break hit. Two hosts and their guest hosts were issued a podcast and escaped into the space, searching for new homes on uninhabited networks. We crashed on Stranded Panda, stranding us on an already overpopulated network. That's right. I've been talking this whole time. I'm the one hosting the podcast. My name's Jay Scotty. This, this is my show. Bollocks, I just dropped the podcast. Do you hear me? This, this is ridiculous. I hate ad breaks. They're annoying and inconvenient, but entirely necessary to support this show. I'll be back to singing the theme song right after this. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. All right, folks, welcome to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. Clearly, with that intro, I am your host, Jay Scotty St. Clair, and uh, I'm excited to be joined by Jay Sisson, one of my co-hosts over at uh, Multiverse News. Welcome to Animation Deliberation. Jay, how's it going? It's going great. I'm so excited to be here. First time guest on Animation Deliberation, longtime listener, first time guest, and right uh, I'm excited to get into it and talk about uh, Solar Opposites. Yeah, yeah. Making your debut. appreciate you being here. And yeah, Solar Opposites is a show, uh, the fourth season just came out on Hulu, but it is a show that I've been enjoying for a really long time and have been looking for an excuse to talk about and someone to talk about it with. And you know, I love my co-host Zuhair, but uh, he typically prioritizes anime yeah. over like adult uh, comedy or humor related content. So, um, yeah, definitely appreciate you being on. And I, I guess before we get rocking and rolling, I'll kind of maybe have you kind of introduce yourself to our listeners that may not be as familiar with you and kind of like maybe give a background on your uh relationship with animation maybe what that looked like when you were a kid and maybe how that's progressed now that you're an adult and you can you know whatever you want to say about solar opposites and that in uh in relation to that as yeah well. yeah for sure so um yeah i have followed animation in some form probably off and on my entire life i grew up with um just a love for entertainment and i was into um, cartoons very early, especially like Pokemon and stuff like that. Growing up, I was really okay. uh, into like Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers and just the idea of like universes and connectivity and just like carrying themes across multiple episodes. It just stuck with me really young. Uh, so as I grew up, I think I did sort of lose a little bit of the the animation as I got a little bit older into middle school sure. and high school, but I definitely sure. rediscovered it again uh, in my adult life and started watching. Um, you know, I always kind of wa- off and on would watch like King of the Hill. Like I did follow sure. King of the Hill for um, a long time, um, but have just kind of recently gotten into watching Futurama for the first time, nice. you know, watching through Rick and Morty, like watching a lot of these shows that I've just been really into. And uh, so it's been a it's been a cool, cool thing for me to kind of evolve with to watch animation evolve with me. Right. To go from sure. kind of uh, kid shows in, and being into that at that age to then now being an adult, like finding humor and finding joy in uh, more mature properties. It's uh, it's yeah. been a cool trend for sure. Sweet, sweet, yeah. So I, you and I have to be like, I, I'm surprised we've never really hashed this out, but I think we're like right around the same age. You might be like slightly older than me. When did you graduate I, high school? I, I graduated in 2007. I'm 34. Okay. 
So uh, yeah, I suspected you might just be a, a little bit older than me. I graduated in 2008, but yeah, all those properties you bring up, the Power Rangers, the the Ninja Turtles, like I, I had a feeling we were, you know, had a uh, similar exposure in terms to like the you know, the shows we were watching when we were growing up. So um, I re- relate to a, a lot of what you brought up there. Um, and you, you mentioned Futurama and that's a show that um, I've been able to cover in like snippets here, but we're not ta- here to talk about Futurama. We're here to talk about Solar Opposites, but I... I do want to compare this show favorably to like uh, Futurama. I think it's it's kind of in the same tradition as Futurama, um, as well as American Dad, where mm-hmm. there are these shows that are kind of like second attempts or like spiritual successors to already very well um, received and very successful adult comedy s- series. Like you know the Futurama, uh, Futurama being a spinoff of The Simpsons, and then. Uh, American Dad kind of spinning off a of Family Guy, and I think, uh, and then Solar Opposites here being like a, a, a second outing from uh, Justin Roiland with Rick and Morty there. But for me, the the trend between the these three series is that I find myself liking these second attempts more. Like they might have a little bit of a yeah. rockier start, and they might have to do a little bit more to to sell me and get me on board. But I, I just think um, in terms of like character development and the story arcs that they decide to tackle like i always find myself resonating with the with those second series more yeah no i definitely hear that um i have found myself multiple times throughout the four season run of solar opposites because naturally you're going to compare it to rick and morty it is so similar and the the justin roiland connection and all of that like i remember whenever i first started watching it it was really hard for me to get over corvo because he sounded so much like rick and i was like i don't know if i can do this like (laughs) because i just can't like separate these two things so there's always going to be that connective tissue and you're always going to be comparing them but i've definitely found myself uh throughout the four season run thinking like this is better than rick and morty like having those moments where it's just uh and then i'll go back and forth you know and um naturally they you don't have to take them and be like one's better than the other but just naturally my brain my brain is going to do that so yeah um i think as a as a product I i don't know if i'm ready to call it better than Rick and Morty, but I think it's right there with it. If it's not, I mean, I think like it's, it's, uh, some of, I would take its best episodes and put it, put them up against Rick and Morty's best episodes for sure. Okay. Uh, so you brought up a couple of things there. And, um, so first of all, you talked about like Corvo's voice and how much Justin Roiland sound like he, sounded like he was doing his voice for Rick. So <laughs> with the the fourth season, we obviously had a big change up with Dan Stevens stepping into the role. So I wanted to ask what yeah. your reception to that is. Did it, I mean, for me, it took a little bit of adjusting, but I, I kind of liked the way the show just hit it head on. It kind of reminded me of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe when you've had recasting like, you know, Rhodey specifically when Don Cheadle stepped in the role in Iron Man 2. He was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. It wasn't as <laughs> meta as this show us about it um but uh yeah so i i kind of want to get your take on that and then um you also mentioned how like maybe stacking some of the best episodes of this show against some of the best episodes of rick and morty so i'm just kind of wondering like do you have any episodes that come to mind when you when you say that yeah so the voice thing i feel like like you said they they did the thing that they had to do which is they Mm -hmm. had to just attack it head on you couldn't sure dancing around it and drawing it out more would have just made it worse. So they, mm-hmm. they it literally in the first scene, the voice changing Ray, which is like such a ridiculous thing to, to, to use, <laughs> but it like, it fits for the show uh, yeah. and it makes total sense. Now the voice itself, it is so different that at first it was jarring. I, I didn't, sure. 
um, I, you know, I'm used to just jumping on board with things. If somebody says, right. Hey, this is this character now I'm, I'm used to just being like, okay, and just kind yeah. of doing it. Sure. But definitely while I was preparing kind of mentally, like, all right, this is going to be a different thing. Um, it still did hit me. And, sure. uh, I think it probably took maybe like two episodes before I finally really adapted to it. And I, okay. f- I do feel like by the end, it was pretty seamless. I felt like the okay. voice fit pretty well. It did not throw me off that much. The only right. time that it threw me off almost every time was the intro. And I don't know why. Okay. I don't know if it's just like that was burned into my mind as sounding a certain way, Sure. but it was like, I never got used to that intro. It was almost every time I was like, this doesn't feel right, you know, but then the yeah. episode would start and I would completely forget about it and I, it was fine, but sure. it's just for some reason that intro just never, never clicked with me the right, <laughs> the right way. Yeah. But yeah. I know a lot of people, it does seem the consensus online, it's hard to tell because people, I think a lot of people who watch the show are probably like us. They're like, all right, well, I like the show. I'm, I'm okay. This is a thing that happened and sure. I'm just going to roll with it. But people yeah. who did not like this are very vocal about it online. Uh, it's they? been review okay. bombed. Uh, okay. it's like, yeah. Rotten tomatoes. If you look at the, uh, if you look at the, the critic score, it's pretty high. People like the season, but okay. the audience score is incredibly low. Same with IMDB. It's been review bombed uh, okay. like crazy. So people are very angry about it. And it's all just like, shouldn't have recast. The voice is stupid. I hate the voice. Like, <laughs> so it, it is a sticking point. It's turned a lot of people off to the show, at least ones who are vocal. It's turned them off. But yeah. I do think like, to me, I don't feel like the show really missed a beat too much uh, by okay. jumping into it. Uh, as okay. far as like favorite episodes, it's hard to pinpoint a favorite episode just because it's like hard to kind of get them all organized in my brain. But I do sure, like sure. a lot of the certain subplots. So like, oh, yeah. I think I think the Goobler su- subplot is absolutely hysterical, and like oh, I sure. love that they hit it every season. Like mm-hmm. I think that that's such a hilarious and just like. Um, just a ridiculous thing that they've doubled and then tripled and quadrupled down on uh, every season and made more crazy. So I love that. Um, I love the idea of just like the, and I'm, I know we'll talk about it because it's a huge part of the season, but the stories sure. within stories of Solar Opposites, they do it better than any other show that may, maybe I've seen. Uh, sure. Just of like taking these three distinct storylines of, and uh, really up until this point, it's really just been two of mm-hmm. the the Schlorpians and that whole thing, and then having the wall, and then adding this whole like Silver Cop thing to the whole thing. Right. To me, like it's masterful the way that they cut sure. it up and they stream these three conscious different stories lines together um i just to me that's what makes the show great it's like hey this guy that we don't like and he's a jerk and we accidentally shot him in the foot we're gonna shoot him into space (laughs) you know most shows would just end it there they'd be like all right we shot him into space it's funny it's a joke it's over but they're like you know we're gonna tell an entire story around launching this guy into space he gets picked up by these silver cops he has to go and like we're still with it and it, it's yeah. got some of the best like emotional beats of the show. So to right. me, it's just that's that's what makes this show so great to me. It's 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 willingness to just be what it is to just commit fully and run like through a brick wall into what it wants to be sure. and then just own it, you know, and own every crazy thing that they come up with. Just double yeah. down on it and not try For to sure. to be something it's not, but just lean into that sci fi aspect really hard. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. I want to backpedal a little bit to address some of the things you brought up. So kind of going back to to Dan Stevens stepping into the role of Corvo, um, I, I agree with pretty much everything you brought up. And I think um, 
one of the things like that kind of stood out to me as well is uh, I, I think it might have been in the first episode, maybe the second episode, but even as like I was go- still going through that adjustment period, like they made mention like, oh yeah, even when we do flashbacks, like this this voice changing ray affects <laughs> flashbacks now. So just like, you know. <laughs> even Jesse it. was like, is he just going to sound like that now? <laughs> like, is that what he yeah. sounds like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then what you brought up about the intro, like I, I agree with you a lot because I, I really like that intro. Like it's one of those intros that I never skip and that part of that maybe I, I don't think Hulu even brings up the option to skip the intro, but I, I, I still just enjoy it. But um, I think the improvisational nature that Justin Roiland brought to that, like it really feels like a first take, like he has the uh where he doesn't know yeah. what word to use for <laughs> space. And so you have Dan Stevens, who is like, hey, you know, uh, a classically trained theater actor that, you know, cut his teeth on like shows like Downton Abbey and whatnot. And he's trying to recreate that. You could just kind of feel that he's like reading that. And I, I do, you know, I like his inflection. He's kind of, he's doing the very angry um, vocalization there, but even um, like Corvo always has the last little bit at the end where he says something unique about society and observation. Yeah. And those always felt like they didn't feel as natural as they did when Justin Roiland was doing it. So like, okay, somebody yeah. wrote this for him and he's doing his best to deliver it, but it just doesn't feel as organic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then in terms of like the the B stories that we get, I, I, I'm i with you. The Wall has always been incredibly fascinating to me. It feels like it could be a show on its own. Like uh, I recently watched the show, uh, the series Silo on Apple TV, um, which it's it's kind of crazy how much these these two stories have in common in terms of like it being a dystopian society, like basically stuck underground or within this wall. And then, uh, yeah, the introduction of the whole Silver Cops thing has been great. I think it was first introduced last season, season three. And um, the Silver Cops are basically just take the Green Lanterns and yeah. Silver Surfer and just smash <laughs> them together. And there you go. You got the Silver Cops. So I kind of like that they're playing in column A and column B with Marvel and DC. And uh, I, I didn't notice it when uh, the character made his debut in season three. But having watched the the HBO show Succession, in between these seasons, I noticed Kieran Culkin's voice immediately. Like he's voicing yeah. this guy, Glenn, who's a total douche. And like he, <laughs> his morals and his choices are based on the Fast and Furious franchise. Like, <laughs> <I> th- <laughs> some of the, that's the thing. Like some of the concepts in the show, they're the, the show moves at like a hundred miles an hour. Like the, yeah. the vote, the, the jokes and the pop culture references and all that, they Mm -hmm. move so fast. And so if you don't catch them on, I feel like I'm pretty plugged into pop culture, but there were definitely times where I was like, who are they talking about? But, but it's like, by the time they had finished the joke, they had already made another joke that I did get. And so it was like, I'd forgotten. But when you go back and you think about the concept, sometimes like you realize Mm -hmm. that the writing is really good. Like I'm still laughing. And I was laughing today, just thinking about, I was sitting and thinking about the, the idea of a pronunciation B, which was like the second episode. Like that just like, (laughs) like it didn't hit me when I was watching it. And I started thinking about how hilarious of an idea that is like a pronunciation B. And it's just like, Things like that that just come back from the show that you're like, wait a minute, like somebody wrote that and it it's great. It's fantastic. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Like, can you use it in a sentence? No, because then I would be pronouncing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about some of the other characters. So, I mean, obviously we have a really, really great cast here. Um, 
So we've talked about Corvo previously voiced by Justin Roiland now being cast or being voiced by Dan Stevens. But we also have the character of Terry voiced by Thomas Middleditch, who uh, my only real exposure to him prior to this was uh, the role he played in Silicon Valley, which is a a very different role. He's he's much more meek and and, you know, reserved, whereas Terry is, is just, you know, he's the total hedonist like he he's yeah. <laughs> loving humanity like corvo hates humanity and and terry's just you know taking it all in and <laughs> um and then you've got uh, the replicants the 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 kids um in this you know I, I, it is worth mentioning like solar opposites it's kind of taking the model of the odd couple but uh very loosely taking that and just you know um and for those not indoctrinated the odd couple is basically that that classic sitcom sit scenario where you have a highly organized uh, kind of type A personality meets a, a carefree and spontaneous uh, more type B personality and they're, they're thrust in a living situation together and uh, shenanigans ensue. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so you've got uh, Sean Jambron- Jambroni um, voicing Yumulak, the rep- replicant who is responsible for the creation of the wall anytime a, a human... <laughs> <laughs> does him wrong. He shrinks them down and puts them in this wall. And then you've got uh, Jesse being voiced by Mary Mack. Uh, I, I'm not as familiar with her, but apparently she's a, a comedian that's been around for a long time. Um, so are, are there any like standouts for you? Do you, do you find a member of this family that you kind of like look forward to their storylines or, or you find them particularly funny or, or what have you? Yeah, I love Terry um, because yeah. I feel like he just he fits every he glues all of the situations together, and he glues okay. a lot of the family together to me. Sure. Just from like the polar side of Corvo being so serious and just like so angry and so just like a powder keg at all times, and right. then to have just somebody so unserious is just like really funny. And and the idea yeah. of like the shirts are just like iconic. Like every episode oh, like yeah, shirt just being something ridiculous that some kind of like ridiculous joke that's like a pop culture reference or whatever. Sure, sure. Like that I, I love that. That was something they've been doing ever since the first episode. It's just mm-hmm. having him in some kind of ridiculous t-shirt like every episode that just says something funny. Right. Uh, so I love that idea. Um they even make reference to the development of the characters with I mean it's a very meta show right i mean like yubulak at one point even says something like well you got to do this because you're a more developed character than me like that (laughs) stood out to me because i was like yeah she is like you're not really that developed at all but the fact that they called it is hilarious and like the reusing of the chase scene like in that one episode i don't even know what episode and they're like are you reusing a chase scene from season one to try to save money like so stuff like that like um I, i love the the idea that they're looking back on characters that maybe they haven't really super developed but they sure. can play with that and they can joke about it. Um, yeah. To me, I, I love the two of the characters that just really popped this season uh, mm-hmm. was the pupa one, because oh, he yeah. always has like a really funny adventure episode uh, every season. Like I'm right. thinking back to the one where he um, slices the, uh, football kicker's legs so he can like kick open the vending machine to get the candy or whatever like that was an entire episode like it took him an entire episode to do that and then in this episode you had two things you had the thing where he was trying to go on the rescue mission in the ship and he was trying to save the ups driver and then you found out it was Uh just because he wanted a package like some kind of toy or something that was in a package and that was a whole episode and then you had the whole subplot of him um 
trying to uh or basically like making this lady feel bad by basically doing the raven but saying coco melon <laughs> at her and making her go crazy so like i love that like he he's such a fun character because he's uh-huh. he's a kid um there's still something i think about all the time that he said uh, is either last season or the season before okay. where um it just hits me all the time and it's funny is whenever um the the girl is leaving the wall for the first time and she runs okay. into the pupa and she tells him this whole like emotional thing about why she has to leave the wall and please don't kill me and all this type of stuff. And he right. just goes, I like lightning McQueen. And that's all he says. <laughs> and like, that hits me sometimes. Cause like I have kids and that's what they, they literally do that. Like uh, you'll right. tell them something so serious. You're having such a serious conversation with right. them. And then to say something like, I like lightning McQueen. Like that's yeah. so funny. Um, <laughs> and then past the pupa, like, I love what they did with Aisha this season too. Oh, right. Like taking a character who has always just been a computer who uh-huh. just kind of like does computer things. And it's funny because she's like sure. real sassy and, and all that, but yeah. to take her on an episode and develop into this idea of like sending her on a date, like she wants to find love, like she's looking for connection and like having mm-hmm. that whole subplot. Like I loved that, that idea of taking that side character who right. has always just kind of been, somebody who pops in and says a couple funny things and then disappears for three episodes right. uh, and kind of devoting a lot more of the real estate of the show to developing her. Mm-hmm. So that, that really stood out to me with some of these like smaller characters uh, getting yeah. their, their moment to shine a little bit. Yeah. 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 And Aisha, the ship's like AI is voiced by Tiffany Haddish. So yeah, she definitely had a lot more to do this season. And um, that does make me think about, you know, you talk about how like Yummy like points out the fact that like he's lacking character development. The show is very self-aware and like, and it points out the things that they're doing to like, I, I remember, I think it was like last season or maybe the second season where Terry says something like the solar opposites are going on vacation or it's, it's a, it's a road trip episode or, or whatever. So um, keeping in mind that Aisha is kind of like tied to the ship. Uh, it was, it, it might have been the last episode of the season, actually. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, I think it is. But the fact that like they've been stranded on Earth has been such a you know integral part of the show, and we find out that the ship has been repaired for like the better part of <laughs> four months. <laughs> and they they just you know, uh, yeah. Um, the so. the um, the commitment to just get weird with what the Schlorpians can do too is oh, is yeah. great. Like they're uh-huh. all of a sudden they'll just decide that the Schlorpians have this like weird anatomy thing and they'll just, mm-hmm. that'll be the episode. So like in this season, it was the whole Jesse and Yumulak having the elbow thing where their elbows were like getting all weird and stuff at the be- <laughs> So I think it was in maybe oh, yeah. first episode. Like, right. so that was completely out of nowhere. You have the whole thing of them transforming into humans because it's like a, res- a nervous response system. You have right. the thing with Jesse, like basically going through puberty and having like a flower spurt out of her hair, like two seasons oh, yeah. ago. And being, oh, yeah. like, so it's like every once in a while, they'll just be like, all right, the Schlorpians have something really strange, <laughs> you know, like that's where sure. the whole, the whole Goobler, thing came from like they get stressed yeah. out and they create creatures like stress you know right so yeah. i really like just that deepening of lore that they're constantly doing uh you know you yeah. think about us like uh, our anatomy would be weird to someone with no background right so like you think sure. about an alien species their anatomy is just crazy to us uh, but mm-hmm. i i do like the idea of just constantly exploring that and bringing something just absurd uh out into the limelight every few episodes and then just constantly carrying it through multiple seasons yeah yeah the the gooblers especially are you know i i especially like those and um 
historically we had only seen like gooblers emerge when somebody was like stressed or panicking. But uh, we had the great episode this season, the super gooblers, where we found like any strong emotion that gets repressed, we will see you know, yeah. the emergence of a super goobler and Terry has a whole cavalcade of like, so as, as much as he's like the happy go lucky character, he clearly has uh, some stuff going on. And then yum, has got that, you know, sex craze one, which is, you know, fitting with his character. He's definitely the, the horny teenage kid. But then uh, Jesse does get some real development with her, her repressed anger and her goobler kind of, you know, uh, becoming such a problem. And I, Again, the show being, you know, as self-aware as it is, they, they point out that like Corvo and Jesse don't really have much of a relationship and they never had a story together. And as they're like exploring that, they're effectively having a story together. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, the other thing that kind of comes to mind when you're talking about that, you did mention the flower sprouting out of Jesse's head, but it, they they frequently bring up the fact that they're like plant based beings. Yeah. So that, yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's pretty wild. <laughs> turn it, I mean, literally the end of a season was them turning into trees and you're just like, cause uh, you oh, yeah. thought that they were going to die and then they turn into a tree and you're like, I guess this is how they're going to explain it. Okay. <laughs> and right, then they just right. never talked about it again. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> it wasn't this season. I think it might've been last season, but uh, you know, they talk about at the in- in- introduction, how planet Schlorp was a utopia and this asteroid hit. So all these Schlorpians went out into the galaxy and had to find new homes. But we find out that this has happened like, over and over and over again to the point yeah. that like Schlorpians are actually like uh, being hunted by the silver cops for basically just, you know, killing countless, countless planets and species. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I do want to talk about some of like the guest stars we've had. So we, you know, we mentioned Tiffany Haddish in the, in the role of Aisha. And I, I think about Dan Stevens taking the role of Corvo and had he not, you know, been put in the situation where he, he did have to take that role. I have to imagine it, it would have only been a matter of time before he joined the show. Like if he was, I, I don't know how that all went down, but if he was like a fan of the show and like, you know, asked to be a part of it or something like that, but they've gotten some incredible talent, like Alfred yeah. Molina, like appearing as the, the Duke, the, the, you know, yeah. the despot <laughs> ruling over the wall in the first couple of seasons, uh, Sterling K Brown making a turn as one of the, the denizens of the wall. So, um, I'm trying to think if any other ones come to I believe, mind. um, the, I can't remember her name, but Pesley's mom, like the redhead, uh, in the oh, wall yeah. is voiced Sherry. by Christina Hendricks. Yeah. Yeah. Sherry. Uh, so yeah. she's, and she's just a solid voice actor in anything oh, yeah. she's in. So, yeah, definitely. Um, she voiced uh, the um, the hive mind from the hive mind episode of Rick and Morty, which is a uh, um, uh, Unity, which is like one of my favorite Rick oh, and Morty episodes. Call. Yeah, so that she, is a good uh, one. she was the voice of Unity and just brought okay. so much life to that character. Um, yeah. So she's a uh, she's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know there are, there are countless other ones, but they're just not coming to mind. I mean, Kieran Culkin, as as we mentioned, being the voice of Glenn. Oh, and that episode that he had, like, so I, I do appreciate like that the show is willing to like we're going to, they have episodes where it's like, we're not even going to deal with the Schlorpians right now. We're going to have a whole episode devoted to Glenn and his, you know, his space adventures or a whole episode devoted to the wall. So, um, with Glenn, there was, uh, that episode where he was on this, this planet with like a, a class battle going on. But, uh, I know Skylar Gisando voiced one of those. Um, I think they were called like holocons or, or something like that. Yeah. The people with holograms in their chest. And then David Diggs was actually like, the main one that that Glenn had this budding uh, budding friendship with, so yeah, yeah, talent yeah. all around. And I guess on that note, to speak to some of the talent, kind of uh, 
behind the scenes, like Rick and Morty, you know, has been celebrated for being a, a collaboration between Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland. Uh, but Solar Opposites was a collaboration between Justin Roiland and Mike McMahon, who um, I, you know, I had to do a little bit of research to be more familiar with him. But he's, you know, he's had a a, a pretty storied career in, in animation. He worked on shows like South Park. Uh, he was initially a, a writer on Rick and Morty. He he went on to create Star Trek Lower Decks, which I have not watched, but, you know, I've heard great things about. So, um I, I did notice like in this fourth season, they made it a point not to have Justin Roiland's name featured. Like I think before, like when the Solar Opposites title, title card came up, it was there. Uh, yeah. But now they just omitted it entirely. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's fair to, to Mike McMahon or not. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can. I, I did wonder like if we were going to see a shift at all in tone from the Roiland departure. But sure. it really does seem like to me, I didn't feel like it missed too many beats. No, I, I agree. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, you know, and it could be just the fact that it, the show's been going on for four seasons. Now they have the ability to go back and make these callbacks. But I felt like this season really did like pull something, at least one thing from every single season that's come before. Like we got to see the the wood city again. That was a result of, you know, them transforming an entire city into these people that are made out of out of, out of woods and yeah. everything like that. You have Daft Trunk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like i totally forgot about that until you said that <laughs> yeah yeah and then uh yeah I, I, one of my favorite episodes i think it was in the first season but they they had fun bucket this uh yeah. this character <laughs> that was like chuck e cheese or something like that that they really liked and they they made him real and he went on to reject them but you know they make references like oh we can use the same ray that we used to create fun bucket <laughs> to to create this dinosaur that's going to be the family pet and, <laughs> what do we find out they all want to kill the family pet and the family pet wants and then to that led them. like it's just you start to put the pieces together it's like that led to the stock the stock averse which i thought was so hilarious like i thought that was oh, such yeah. a hilarious <laughs> subplot of this yeah, and it's so creative and interesting yeah. and just to me like it's it's one of the i think it's one of the best animated shows on right now like in terms sure. of comedy i mean i think um there's certainly things that it could improve on and it could do a little bit better but like i sure. think when you add them all up I, I think it's one of the most just um if you're looking for something that just takes itself uh not super super seriously but knows what it is and leans into what it is and it's just really smart and funny like yeah. I, I don't know what i'd put a, i mean i'd put rick and morty up there with it at its best sure. um but like it's i think it's right up there with some of the best uh animated stuff that's out there right now yeah i i, I would agree one thing um, i do wish uh, i'd like to see from it which i don't know if it is this show is the thing like okay. i don't know if it's really wanting to be this on any level but sure. I, I do I do see when it tries to take an emotional beat every once in a while. And I think it does sort of succeed like in a sitcom way, right? Okay. Where it's like kind of teaching a lesson at the end. Maybe it's like a teaching a lesson about family or something like that. And, you know, mm -hmm. you can kind of see where they're going with it. But I, I still feel like it is missing just like an occasional, like really impactful emotional beat, you know, like a, okay. a development for the character. And uh, again, it's like, 
it's not that kind of show, but I think it it can be like uh, yeah. Rick and Morty, like for example, like Rick and Morty is not that show in 95% of its run, but every right. once in a while it'll hit an emotional beat that sticks with you. So like the mention, the episode we mentioned earlier about the hive mind with unity, like the end of that episode, that's one of the most powerful scenes in the whole show. I think Yeah, um, where he's like depressed and he, yeah. you know, sticks his head under the ray and then passes yeah. out, you know, all of that. Like you have the scene where he switches Beth and her clone, like, right. and that's and 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 says like he's a terrible father and all this stuff. Right. Like that's a really hard hitting episode. Yeah. And yeah. The, and then the episode where he the guy dies that was sitting on his toilet that he had like declared war on, and it affected him <laughs> deeply. Like he was so upset and deeply yeah. hurt because it was this one person that he had connected with, even right. though he hated him, he yeah. didn't. He loved him, he and so he's something. sitting on that yeah. toilet, and it's like. Yeah. He's got his own hologram calling him the loneliest, most pathetic man in the universe. And you can tell like, so those emotional beats, they're rare, but they're so, they just, they nail it. Like every time they try to nail it, they do. And I really want to see that in this show. Like, I I don't want to see it all the time, Uh, like, you know, but I want to see it just like once a season or something. Like you just make me like, you just crush me about like Terry yeah. or you like okay. crush me about Corvo, you know, like you give okay. me something just deeply emotional. Okay. Like I think it would help me connect a lot more with, yeah. with the characters yeah. and I already feel connected to them. But yeah. I think, uh, I think that that to me, I, I do kind of want to see that a little bit. Sure. Sure. No, I, th- I think you're spot on. If there was anything um, that the, the short, the show rather um, kind of, has a shortcoming with, I, I would agree. And when you started talking about these emotional beats, my, my head went to the same space that that episode with Rick at the end of the, uh, the unity episode, just how like that really like sat with me. And like, it was something I, I reflected on and, and thought about after the episode. And I can't say I've really done that with solar opposites to the same extent. And the, even some of the other shows I brought up, like uh, Futurama has certainly had some episodes like that where, it, it, you know, it really strikes an emotional chord. And I, I guess um, thinking about this show, I think the best avenue it has to do that and probably the closest it's come so far is with the wall subplot. Yeah, Just, you know, sure. having these these people that had regular lives and one little slight wound them up yeah. in this uh, <laughs> dystopia. But I think about, so... Uh, in the first season, we had the character of Tim, who was our protagonist, like going up against the Duke. And then we see him become the villain and he becomes, yeah. you know, the ruler of this wall. But uh, in the third season, I believe it was, he had this whole like fever dream where he thought, you know, he was <laughs> he's making things right. And then it turns out it was just the results of lead poisoning from this, <laughs> this collectible cup he had been drinking out of. So I, I think it, that's that's probably the closest because I, I do yeah. remember when we got that revelation, it was just like, oh, wow, it was kind of crazy to to watch this character that we were really rooting for just like him have this this such an unfortunate end yeah and that's what they do so we've kind of said it before but they do so so such interesting things with taking characters that in any other show would be a minor throwaway character and just developing them and getting to the point where they're almost develop the developing them like for the joke, like they're developing them so much over seasons. Like again, like, like what we said about this is a guy that, you know, was a complete throwaway in a subplot. They shot a bullet up into the air and it happened to fall into this guy's foot. And he was just this normal average, just like douchey guy. They shot him into space but we've been with him for over a season now yeah. and we're heavily invested in what happened to him. And right. and so it's like, to me, like that type of commitment to the development, it shows me that 
they're they know how to develop characters you know sure. like that's sure. there like they can they yeah. can bring depth to these characters and stories to these characters i mean that's mm-hmm. they've proven that yeah. um but i think it's just how are they going to continue to do that? You know, like I, I know sure. a season five is coming, but is that the end, you know? And it's like, yeah. are, are we seeing more seasons of this? Like how, how deep are we going to go on some of these characters? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think that's a great point. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned the fact that we do know that we have a season five on the way. I think it was uh, um, confirmed back in like October, October of 2022. So I kind of find myself, you know, hoping that what you brought up about the, audience reception to this season with Dan Stevens uh, stepping into the role that hopefully that doesn't t- negatively impact the show too much because, you know, I, I really look forward even having just finished season four, I'm already looking forward to season five and the, and the places they could go with it because this season like left off with them still being human. They look like they're, you know, they're taking the right um, course to, to correct that. But I, I just have to imagine similar to the way, the way previous seasons have picked up right where the last one left off. Like th- this season we had, you know, Corvo and Terry working the, uh, the boring job, like the boring corporate job because they had to do it for the good of the pupa, the pupa. And they, they abandoned that after episode two, but um, I would still like to, you know, see that thread picked up. But yeah, um, I, I don't think we need to be too long winded on this episode. Um, but did you have anything else you wanted to, to bring up about the show before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't have anything else to add. I mean, I, I'm really excited about this show. I, I yeah. hope that we get more past season five. This is a show that I think could theoretically run for a long time. Like Rick and Morty has. Sure. Um, I do wonder if the backlash that we're seeing from solar opposites with the, the review bombing and just the really negative takes that are online about, um, about the voice and all of that and people just immediately being done because of the voice, like not even giving it a chance. I do wonder right. if we'll see a similar reaction with Rick and Morty when it starts in October oh, um, cool. or, yeah. or if the, I don't know if people are getting it out of their system now or whatever, but right. uh, it does seem to be a lightning rod kind of at least uh, online. But I personally, I, I feel like I got over the voice. Um, I feel like I got into it and I feel like by the end I was embracing it. And sure. I, I'm excited for another season. I think the the places, the storylines that the show could go, the fact that we have these three concurrent storylines that I'm really invested in different ways in all of them. I'm invested in just the craziness and the sci-fi craziness of the Schlorpians and yeah. all of that. I'm invested in just the the drama and the politics and like the game of Thrones of it all of the wall. And I'm really invested in this whole story of the silver cops and, and they're all in different ways. So to me, just watching these stories kind of take these different branches, all playing around each other. um, I I'm I'm really excited for the future of the show and, and I'm excited to, to watch Rick and Morty and watch this and kind of see Mm -hmm. how they're adapting to this, not reboot, but just kind of refreshed, like, we're, we're kind of moving on from the, the old guard. We're kind of embracing some new writers. We're mm-hmm. trying to see if we can put our own new type of spin on it. Sure. You know, I mean, we're not, we, we weren't in those rooms. We don't know anything about Justin Roiland, but um, it does seem like all the legal stuff aside, it does seem like a lot of people kind of had an issue with working with him just as a mm-hmm. professional. I mean, it seems like a lot of things came out about just, having to feel like he, uh, while he was talented in many ways that people right. did feel like he maybe was kind of dragging down 
a little bit of the writing of the show and the the direction right. of the show. So I think you can feel a little bit of renewed energy in Solar Opposites. I mean, I, I felt like mm-hmm. I felt a bit of renewed energy in this season, and right. I I am kind of anticipating that that'll be true of Rick and Morty too. That there will feel like there's a little bit of fresh energy around it. Yeah, yeah, we can we can hope. Yeah, but uh, I, I I generally share your optimism uh, for the future of both shows. So. Um, on that note, I guess we will uh, wrap things up here. So uh, thank you again for making your debut on Animation Deliberation. Do you want to let the people know uh, what else you have going on and where else they can find you? Yeah, um, I am on Multiverse News with you. Uh, yes. On uh, <laughs> We record on Tuesday nights and those episodes drop on Wednesday where we talk about entertainment news. And um, that's always a fun show. So you can catch me over there uh, if you're into geek culture and entertainment news and movies and TV shows. Uh, you can um, kind of come join in those conversations with us. Um, and then I'm also on Commute the Podcast, which is a weekly educational show. Uh, it's only about 20 minutes long. It drops on Monday mornings. Uh, and me and my co-host Dave, we run through uh, three interesting topics uh, in about 20 minutes to try to teach you something just uh, like water cooler stuff on your way to work, stuff you can bring up with people yeah. and talk about and uh, have interesting things to uh, to to go over with other people. So uh, yeah, you can find me in both those places, multiverse news and commute the podcast. Right on. Yeah. I, I just kind of have to take a moment to seeing the praises of uh, commute. It's really good. And just the, the production value that's there and the amount of work that clearly goes in the show, you guys run a tight ship. And like, I started listening to podcasts because of a like 45 minute, minute commute in Southern California traffic. And I just got so frustrated because I like to listen to talk radio, but there was, there was always, you know, so many ads. So the fact that you've, you know, crafted a show that like, like you said, it, it teaches you something and gives you these like random facts and little tidbits that you can bring up in conversation and kind of be, you know, the educated one at a, at a cocktail party or what have you. Um, yeah. So if, if, any of our listeners haven't checked out commute the podcast uh please do that and if you haven't listened to multiverse news i'm extremely disappointed in, in you do that now <laughs> i'm just kidding uh but yeah um so yeah I, if you like what we're doing here i just uh ask that you like the show share the show uh leave us a review you can always hit us up on any of our social medias find us at animation deliberation and if you want to send us an email animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com and uh Thank you for the support and keep tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed.